Yeah, so I totally have been playing dumb this whole time as a, a strategy. I, 100%. It's not like I don't actually know anything or I'm just making it up. It's 100% a strategy. They're just three amigos making their way in the crazy old world of software as a service. Welcome to Founder Quest. In other news, I deployed the uh, Logplex to Lambda and it worked like a champ. Unfortunately, the economics just don't work. Uh, again, oh. bit by the economics again. Yeah, I, I, I penciled out the math and it worked. Like if you, you know, you can allocate the amount of RAM to the function, yeah. right? And so I, I did the math based on 128 megs of RAM, which is the lowest option because it doesn't use that much. It uses about, I don't know, 30. And the, the problem is the performance and the concurrency was such that we were running like hundreds of concurrent Lambda functions in order to service the level of traffic. Well, one third of our production <laughs> traffic. And, you know, um, AWS has a soft limit of a thousand concurrent Lambda invocations. And you can, of course, get those soft limits raised mm -hmm. if you can justify it. But of course, that comes with money, right? <laughs> more invocations means more money. <laughs> and uh, so I was like, okay, well, you know, 600, 700 concurrent invocations, that's really not great. Uh, let's see if we can get that down a bit by increasing the RAM, which increases the CPU allocation as well. And that worked. Yeah. Uh, and, but at that point, the economics didn't work. <laughs> so <laughs> it's just, yeah, it was just a combination of concurrency and the amount of time taken to actually process each request. And yeah, it's just. So I've taken, yeah. well, I've, I've taken a shot at this, right? And, yeah. and now Ben's taken a shot at this. You guys are Seinfeld fans. Mm -hmm, sure. So Caitlin and I have been watching Seinfeld, uh, like rewatching it because she's never seen it. And so last night we were on the episode um, where uh, Newman. Uh, learns about the uh, uh, about Kramer's failed uh, Michigan recycling scheme where, uh, you know, they basically like take the bottles in New York, which are worth five cents, and they have to figure out how to like work the economics out to truck them to Michigan to get 10 cents. <laughs> and I feel <laughs> I feel like Ben and I are like kind of like Kramer and Newman, like, like, uh, yeah, um, Logplex on on Lambda is kind of like our uh, Michigan recycling scheme. Well, in the Seinfeld episode, um, in the Seinfeld episode, what the, the way they, they solved the uh, recycling problem was that Newman works for the U.S. Postal Service, as you know, and uh, on one day of the year, on Mother's Day, uh, the U.S. Postal Service has overflow. They had a fifth overflow mail truck that goes to Michigan. And so uh, on one day of the year, they could they could co-op that mail truck and fill it with recycling and get a free a free truck, which cha which changed the math <laughs> in their favor. <laughs> so we need Amazon to provide us a mail truck. So the solution to uh, our uh, economic problems is fraud. That's what you're saying, Josh, isn't it? Yeah, we need. Yeah, a, what's that? What's the what's the Amazon does have a truck. <laughs> what, what is that truck that like they you can like. Move your data center Snowball. with? Yeah, snow yeah, Snowball. Snowball. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the world's biggest USB drive, right? It's like the semi-truck, and it's got a little bit of USB jack on the back of it, and you stick it in your computer. Yeah. yeah. I think our customers <laughs> might have some issue with the amount of latency that would introduce. Yeah. Just oh, well. well. We just need to find a new minute Amazon uh, that, <laughs> that has access to a Snowball truck, and, and there you go. Yeah. You know those Snowballs actually have like an EC2 environment on them? It's pretty wild take the show on the road <laughs> <laughs> oh man so today we have another listener question um 
and it's from, let's see, I can't find his name on here. Tony. It's from Tony. It's from our old friend, Tony. Um, Tony asked us another question um, back a, a couple episodes ago, and we answered it. And so we're back for like round two. And so this question is um, like the previous question was all about marketing to developers and stuff like that. And now uh, we're on to uh, customer success around developers. And um, so I'll just read it. How about that? Instead of me just sort of making stuff up. Sounds good. So it says for an early stage startup in the developer tool space, it's important to, you know, talk to customers, get product feedback, build social proof with testimonials and stuff, uh, provide top notch support and love. I, lo I like the love part. You know, mm -hmm. I like I like where uh, Tony's coming from. However, engineers are busy people and do not want to talk to someone. I totally understand that sentiment <laughs> unless something is broken or if they want to cancel. Um, yeah, personally, I still don't really want to talk to <laughs> yeah. people. But, I was thinking the same know, thing. I still don't want to talk to somebody. I don't want to talk to someone if I have to cancel. <laughs> says, I find it especially difficult with new signups to come through cloud forecast to get them to engage with us early on, even with, uh, you know, qualified leads. And so what are some approaches that Honey Badger's taken to ensure that potential customers um, and existing customers are engaging with us that we know, you know, that we, we have a good feel on the heartbeat of our customers? So how do we do that? How do we do that, guys? I don't know. You know, I think the story is different uh, where you are in the stage of your business. You know, when you are pre-launch or you just launched, I think it's, it's relatively easy at that point to have good interactions with customers because typically your customers are people you already know, right? We've talked about this before, like your first 10 customers. And they want to see you succeed. Like they're they're participating in what is probably a beta. They are, you know, enduring a buggy product because they like you and they want you to succeed. And they're happy to tell you where things are broken or things could be better and that sort of thing. So I think, you know, if you're that early stage, just, you know, reaching out is, is easy, uh, no matter who your customer segment is, whether it be developers or not, right? So that's mm -hmm. probably not what he's talking about here. I think he's probably already got that covered. It's those customers that come in that you don't know, right? People that show up on your doorstep who don't have any relationship with you. And uh, I think that's, that's a tougher nut to crack. And I, I totally agree with you, Star. Like, I just don't want to talk to people. If I'm, if I'm trying out your product uh, and it doesn't work for me, I, I'll probably just go away rather than, than talk to you about mm -hmm. it. So it's, it's an interesting problem to solve when you have uh, developers as your customers. Yeah, and I, I just want to say, like, we also have had sort of issues with this, right? We haven't always, like we've got um, a ton of great loyal customers who we can um, call up on the phone and they'll talk to us uh, for hours. But, you know, when we are trying to engage with people who maybe have just signed up and maybe they're not maybe making through our funnel and we're trying to figure out, okay, what, what's happening to these people? Uh, and we've tried to reach out to them. You know, a lot of times we, we also have have trouble with that right didn't we didn't yeah, that's, that's uh didn't ben finley do something yeah i think you know we've tried a number of times to reach out to people especially who were who are trialing or who just uh, had their trial expired and the response rate on reaching out to those people is almost zero like mm -hmm. they just don't want to engage and i don't know that we have a solution for that because we still have an almost zero response rate. And then there've been times that we just like gave up like, okay, well, they're not going to talk to us. We're not even going to try, you know? Um, so yeah, that's, that, that's a tough one. Yeah. But it's, um, uh, 
So those are the people who haven't reached out to us, you know, because when somebody signs up and they're trying to get our product to work for them, maybe they run into some problem and they, they contact us. And then, then we have a chance to talk to them and figure out what's going on. Uh, the people we're, you know, specifically talking about are people who just show up, sign up for a thing and then immediately disappear and never, you know. Yeah. I think Josh, you had something to say on that. I was just going to say it's hard. Yeah, like I, I think we've uh, talked about trying to bribe them uh, or at least more seriously try to bribe them like, you know, like a $50 gift card or something or, or more like that's mm -hmm. that might get some people to re reply. But yeah, I don't we haven't gone to those lengths yet. Well, we do bribe them like we do have the the t-shirt offer right? yeah that I, you started. I bribe people with like yeah with swag but that's like that's like a ten dollar bribe versus like like if it's actual like yeah. cash money that's that's a little yeah. different but it works but it does, so it tell, works. Us, tell us about the tell us about the t-shirt swag thing you well, guys the are talking about swag uh this the t-shirt offer is um something we send to uh a trial users during onboarding so people who have signed up who are currently using um, using Honey Badger or trialing Honey Badger, and uh, because we don't want to like we don't want to offer it to just like every single person who comes and like creates an account because like Ben said, I think like some people are kind of just like kicking the tires or like checking you know they they create a, an account and go away immediately. Um, so we we send this email after they have um, created a project in Honey Badger and actually like reported an error to us, which means that we know that they've actually installed um, and they're, they're fairly engaged. Um, they're engaged in the trial. So we know they've, they've gone through the hardest part, which is installing our code, um, which actually means they have to like go and physically like make some changes in their application and deploy it. After we know that they're fairly, you know, they're, they're at least committed to that level, um, we send them an email and it, uh, it's, it offers them a free t-shirt if they go and um, add their payment information early um, in the trial versus like waiting until the end. And uh, we've had a pretty good response rate on that. I think it's been around 30%, maybe 30, 40% of, uh, of people have actually like converted and that's like led them to, uh, well, actually I think that might be the response rate and it might be slightly lower for the conversion rate, but it's pretty, pretty good. Yeah, it's worked out pretty well. And, you know, we didn't like uh, start off with that, right? We came to that over time. And that was an experiment at first where we just did a certain segment of the trialers, yeah. right? And then and then we you kind of rolled that out as we saw that. Yeah, that was really yeah. successful. Well, it started out as an experiment and it started out just for uh, just for Ruby, just for Ruby trials because our, our T-shirts actually said Ruby on the back of them still. <laughs> so <laughs> it kind of limited us. Like we didn't want to send Ruby T-shirts to non-Ruby developers. And so we were like, okay, well, we'll try this on Rubyists, which we know is like our best segment in general. Um, and uh, yeah, and then it was, a, it was an experiment to the point where I like literally said, hey, I'm trying this weird thing, like in the email, like I'm trying this thing where I send a T-shirt to um to new trials who are uh you know if they if they will add their payment information early and then i explain like there's no risk like they can still cancel their trial and it's not going to charge them or anything um but yeah and actually like i haven't changed that copy since so like it still kind of is a like it's it's pitched as an experiment but yeah it's just like it's an experiment that we just left and we just left running and now it's like making us money so would you call that a weird trick I I don't know. Can we say that this show has like one weird twick? One weird <laughs> one trick? weird trick that just to just to send like yeah. It's it's funny that that you, you would say that because I didn't have that thought at all. But I was thinking at the same time, 
that Josh was talking, I was thinking about how like part he was talking about how, you know, it's, this is a trial and he put that in the message. Like this is something we're trying out. And I think that's part of like our approach to, to not just marketing, but also customer success is being, you know, upfront and uh, real with our customers. Like, Hey, this is, this is what we're doing. Let's, let's, let's see if this works. Yeah. And this is not like a, a weird trick that we've masterminded. And we're like all these evil genius hackers that are come up with all these awesome, you know, things to try and manipulate people. Yeah. But it's like, Hey, like our, uh, email that bills people that gives them a receipt for their, for their charge. It says at the bottom, you know, like, thanks for supporting us. You know, we're, we're three bootstrap guys. Thanks for supporting our business. Yeah. Right? And that's part of our whole messaging part of who we are and it's not like some charade or some you know something that we've made up it's like that's being real here it actually it also gives that message um like a similar thank you message like when you install the uh when you install the gem in your ruby project too like it outputs it in your console like hey this is this is who we are you know what's funny is that um, when I first started doing businessy type things, you know, you know, even from even when I was like in high school on to you know, I don't know, ten fifteen years ago, uh, before Honey Badger, I was always concerned with like looking like a professional sort of big thing right i didn't want to just use my name it's like i had to have like a business card printed up with like some company name on it and all that and now that you know i have an actual business with you guys it's just like hey we're just you know three fellas that's just please please be nice to us (laughs) (laughs) like yeah we're just chilling over here we're in our business hope you like it yeah but i mean that sort of uh the thing is, like that sort of honesty and candor is going to meet with people being a little bit nicer to you, I think, you know, unless they are, you know, at a big company and they want another big company or whatever. Uh, like if if it's pretty obvious that like you're a human being and you're not you're sending them like real stuff, um, like you're not just spamming them and whatever. Yeah, people are going to be a little bit nice to you. And I don't know, like I, I hope this doesn't stop working because I, you know, a lot more people are getting into this sort of semi-personalized email marketing, you know, BS where it's like, everybody's suddenly now like, Hey star, you know, we're best friends. I've never met you. Uh, now why don't we have a call about your deepest, darkest <laughs> thoughts and desires? Yeah. People do seem to know yeah. us a lot better than they used to. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think as long as we're not sending out emails saying, Oh, you must be trapped under a bus because you didn't respond to my email. You know, as long as I don't do that kind of, yeah. I, Oh, you're still pissed about that. Oh <laughs> man, I hate those emails. And so it's like a cold email that somebody kept escalating. Like, yeah. After yeah. you didn't reply, they kept escalating even more dramatic or well, something. Man, I've heard right. people, I've heard people advocate this in like conference talks. Like this is, you know, like this is how you, you know, you can use these tricks to to close more sales, and it's it's bullshit. I think I think developers have highly refined BS detectors. Yeah, and uh, that works for you know sales emails like those that we just talked about, but also for the customer success stuff that we're talking about in this episode. I think you know if you're a founder and you are trying to find out, you know, why why aren't people re- responding to my emails about you know their trials? Are you being sincere and, and personal in your outreach? Uh, or is it just an automated thing that you just set it and forget it, right? And, you know, there's that whole struggle versus, well, it doesn't scale versus do things that don't scale. You know, uh, I think in the in the early days, 
And, and I think where Tony is coming from here is, you know, I, I am reaching out individually to these people and yet they're still not responding. How can I get yeah. more responses out of them? So I think, you know, assuming that we're at that base level of, yes, you're being genuine and you're being personal and this is, you know, you're being real. I guess then from that point, then, you know, how do I get more success when I'm not trying to be a, a sleaze bag or a scammer? When you're trying to convince somebody to do something, it's important to show them how that will benefit them, uh, which, you know, it may be impossible to do if somebody is a, a new trial uh, sign up. They don't really they're not invested in you. They don't really care about you. But, you know, if somebody's been using your service for a little while and you want to get a feel for on, on what they're thinking about, maybe some new feature or maybe pain points in your service for them, you can just be like, I'm writing you because I. I want to fix things that are like, I want to make your experience better. And so you can tell me what you don't like or what you do like, and we'll try and do, you know, less or more of that. Yeah. You reminded me of, uh, Kathy Sierra, you know, she said it's, it's about making your customers awesome, right? It's not about, you know, making you awesome as the provider. It's about making your customers, customers We're awesome. We're already and, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We don't need any help. And, uh, and you know, the, the, your, your customer is using your product for some end goal, right? There's something they want to accomplish in their life. They want to be better or do something better. They don't care about your product, right? They care about them. Mm -hmm. And so I think if you focus on them, like you said, Star, like your email is, hey, I want to make this better, not because I just want to be better, but because I want to make your life better. Help me help you kind of thing, right? I think that that definitely, uh, definitely yeah. helps improve, uh, grease the skids there. I usually have Star edit my copy, like when I write, articles or or like website copy and stuff and like half the time like like his main feedback is just like stop talking about us and and like rewrite this in terms of you and and so that's like yeah i try to do that i try to remember that that's just time. my autoresponder <laughs> i know um, whenever i get uh i've got a rule set up in gmail yeah so it, it's helpful it's like it's i def, you know you default to talking about yourself versus talking in terms of of the user or the the person you're talking to and um but yeah, I like to think that I'm starting to default to the other way a little more often anyway. One other technique that you can you can do here is to try and collect user feedback and interact with the users in a way that's maybe not just an email, right? Maybe um, you can move that interaction to someplace that's closer to something that your users are actually trying to do. Um, for example, um, we have a, um, a little text box right next to our cancel button. So if somebody cancels, they... I don't know if they still have to. We had it so that they had to enter in a comment, but it may be optional now. I don't know. But yeah, we get we get comments. And a lot of the comments are crappy, but you know, some of the comments are actually useful I, and it yeah. helps us sort of keep an eye on like why are people canceling? I want to say it's re it's it's required because like some of the comments yeah, are just like dot. <laughs> yeah, I think it's still required. <laughs> or, yeah, or like yeah. bye. <laughs> But some of them have been very good. Like, Yeah. And we struggle with that, actually. I remember when we uh, first put the cancellation little text box out there, we, it wasn't required because we hate that as developers. We hate when someone makes us do something. And uh, But we got like zero responses. People just yeah. canceled and nothing. So fine. They were like, okay, well, let's just make it required so we can get something, right? And uh, yeah. I think that was a good decision because we do get, occasionally, we get the useful info, you know, about things that could have been better. I'd say it's more than occasionally. Um, a lot of times, like, people will at least be willing to tell us that they're, like, switching to a competitor or if they're, you know, if there's a reason. Um, we get competitors named a fair amount of, of the time, which is really useful to know, like, if, you know, if people are switching to someone else, it's nice to know who. Um, and I think the reason that we actually made that compromise, even though we like, we don't like having to fill out those boxes ourselves, 
is that it is like it's so important and that is like one of the few places where you can actually re- make contact with those users before they leave forever and so i think we decided like we you know we kind of set aside our disgust for a, you know for that one thing uh, just because it's so valuable can i can i reveal the the big secret our number one cancellation reason please sure it is business ended <laughs> Yeah. Oh, damn. So you're saying that using Honey Badger makes people go out of business. Oh, gosh. <laughs> we shouldn't put this on the air. <laughs> so one thing I was thinking about, I've been thinking about this for a while, is that it might actually be good to have a similar um, form right after somebody signs up mm-hmm. just to try it, just to test it, right? Like, what are you trying to do? Yeah. And I'm. it would need to be a little bit more well thought out than that because we get a bunch of smart asses being like, I want to track errors. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I think we could possibly collect some information there that might be useful and that might be a decent strategy for tony or whatever but just put yeah. put a form in the 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 sign yeah. up or onboarding flow that would be a good experiment yeah i think it's pretty good you know one thing we did try it wasn't during the onboarding flow but it was during the normal day-to-day usage of the application we did try putting up an nps survey a net promoter score survey what, what's that So, you know, the NPS is basically a measurement of how uh, much people are satisfied with your product. And so it gives, you've probably seen this out there, like it gives you a little pop-up and says, would you recommend us to a friend? And there's a scale from like one to 10, right? One being, no, I hate you. And and 10 being, yes, I would tell everyone about you, you know? And then when, if you answer that, then it asks, okay, well, is there anything we can do better or whatever? There's a follow-up question. And uh, some people like swear by this, you know, some people like the NPS is their metric ab- upon which they are paid, like marketing people have this as part of their, you know, customer stat score or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, it was kind of a, a real big rage a couple of years ago and it's, it's still around. Uh, but we had this time where we were like, oh, NPS, that's a cool idea. Like, let's see what our rating is and, and uh, let's see how people like us. So we put that pop up on there and it was useful. Like people would actually respond. They would interact with it and they would give us a rating. And oftentimes the rating was great. Uh, and they would even like put in the additional comments and we still have those. They're some of the great, you know, like feature requests or, or whatever. Yeah. But um, some people got pretty annoyed by that. And they're like, you know what? You're popping this up in your UI and I'm just trying to get my job done. <laughs> like, like get rid of this thing. Right. And so yeah. uh, I guess there's a, there's a balance there you have to strike. I think we've kind of, that's, why we haven't like done a ton of uh like intercom pop-ups either like we have one i think one or two but it's like you know we, we don't have like some sort of like you know in-app tour so maybe we should do the the nps thing again sometime but not as a pop-up maybe as an email yeah i don't know it was useful information but it just got in people's way when it was in the app so one of the areas that i think that we have talked the most to our customers out of anything probably by a lot is support our support like our approach to support is a little bit i think a little bit more hands-on than than some than a lot of people have do um in that we are you know the founders of the company and we are still like handling a majority of our support tickets in the in the business and um and we have since day one and i think that that has like that's really put us close to um to a lot of our customers who have like contacted us for like support issues because um because we're also trained in uh or, or we're also like looking towards like customer development or product development so we know the questions to ask or we know like if there's an opportunity to learn something that we're curious about from a customer it's like they're right there like we're already talking to them we're helping them with some maybe small issue but we can like put in by the way 
what do you think about this? And um, and more often than not, that you know, be what we're already helping them, so they're more likely to respond. And one thing uh, that's interesting is I noticed that when um, we switched away from sort of a, a traditional email uh, ticketing support system and moved over to Intercom, I noticed that the sort of tenor of the conversations with users changed because um, Intercom has much more of a sort of chat feel to it. Mm -hmm. Like it's not. It's not really chat. Like people don't expect an answer, you know, immediately. But I don't know. Like I, I found like I, I felt like we had a lot more discussions as soon as we moved over. And I mean, we pay dearly for it. Um, <laughs> I, for example, have have given my firstborn child to Intercom. <laughs> They're named Intercom now. Yeah. And minus two. But you know, uh, well, uh, it might be worth it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it definitely. I, th I agree. It, it did uh, help improve the conversation that we had with the customers as opposed to just getting a, a random request or a complaint or something and like josh was saying like when when someone's on there saying hey i'm trying you out i'm a century customer you know uh like oh that's interesting like why try us you know what what's different enough to make you want to come and try you know yeah. so we get that we get that that information that we wouldn't get any other way. Mm -hmm. And i think because the um, support widget is kind of built into the the app itself uh, like you can just click a link and it pops open uh, a widget and you type in your your requests. I think we get more uh, casual support tickets yeah. than we would if it was email. Like sometimes, some, sometimes they'll just say like like hi. <laughs> oh yeah, those are my favorite because yeah. I'll reply with like a you know a bunch of emoji or something. Well, and it's it's really cool for me like uh, being as agile as we are being able to, you know, turn on a dime, do whatever we want is uh, when we have a customer who's on chat and they're like, oh, I wish you would do this. And be like, okay. And go an hour later, come back and be like, okay, it's done. It's deployed. <laughs> and they're just, you know, blown away that we got this feature. Yeah, I, you're, the, you're the master of that, Ben. Yeah. I love doing that. It's just, it makes me smile. Uh, <laughs> That's because you've got everything on a branch. We have a, we have a, a little <laughs> private joke here at Honey Badger that Ben has every possible like feature on a branch. Yeah. And so all he has to do is merge it and deploy because <laughs> half the time he does. I don't know. I don't know how it's magic. Uh, but the, the thing that I think is really neat, aside from that, that, that endorphin rush that you get when you make someone happy like that and they're all excited, uh, that turns into a testimonial, right? Mm -hmm. uh, the person is so excited at that point, you've, you've given them such a good experience that uh, they're keyed they're primed, they are just super ready to be able to give you a glowing testimonial. And so you ask them, as soon as you're done helping them like that, you say, hey, glad you're happy. Uh, could we use that as a testimonial? And of course they say, sure. Mm -hmm. you know? uh, and then gives you a chance later, you might say, oh, come back to them later and say, oh, we would like to talk to you more about how you use Honey Badger. Could we do a case study or talk to you more about what you like, what you don't like. And, you know, that, that, that deposit that you put into their emotional bank account, that happiness that you gave them, just, it translates into them being more willing to give them, give your, give you some of their time. Yeah. I think that that ties into why I'm, I'm kind of saying, I'm kind of thinking like customer support is such a good place to get customer feedback or testimonials or any of that sort of stuff, just because if you are doing it right, you are providing them with like a great amount of value. Like if you can go above and beyond in your support and give them a good, like a good feeling and a good response, um, then they are, they, like you said, they are primed for, you know, helping you in return. Like people want to, you know, people want to reciprocate. So it's just, a, I think it's a good place to, to do that. And uh, I think it's probably overlooked because 
a lot of people like support is kind of like, you know, the, the first thing they want to like automate away so they don't have to do it. Um, but if you just put some sort of, you know, if you put like a, a support operator on support that is just trained in like triage and solving the immediate issue, they're not going to be looking for those opportunities um, unless you've specifically trained them for that, which I guess you could do, but you'd have to be intentional. Yeah. And I think people can really, you know, people can tell when they get a response that is completely tailored to the question yeah. they asked. And it's, it's not like a canned response. So um, recently we, um, I say recently, this is six months, a year ago. I don't know. Uh, we did a bunch of interviews. We hired somebody, uh, Shane, to do some interviews. How did we uh, get people to, to sign up for those? Were those mostly um, people that we knew through support? Or did we send out just a mass email? Or what did we do? Um, I did a, did a customer research project um, like to figure out who we should send those surveys and, and like ask to interview. And um, it was actually, I got the, um, the whole idea um, was kind of a system that uh, Claire from UserList.io had put together and presented at MicroConf. But it was basically like she had templates and like, like even like interview questions and kind of like how to conduct the whole survey thing. But basically like what I did in the beginning was I went through and I did like a, like a spreadsheet on some of our top customers based on things like, um, like what plans they were on, like how much they were paying us per year, um, like what their engagement with various like features was. Um, so like, are they using specific features of our app that are, we consider kind of like high engagement type features. Um, and then I kind of just, I, I think I just like ranked them. Once I got it down to like around 200 or so, I kind of just ranked it a little arbitrarily, probably like on top, top like annual spend or something. So what was the, uh, since you did a sort of study to figure out who to contact, like what was your goal? What, like who were you trying to select? So I was trying to select people that are like, that people, the, probably like people that are using, who are using Honey Badger the most. So like the, the most engaged users, because I figured like the people that are going to care the most about what we're doing at Honey Badger and maybe helping us out are the people that are getting the most value out of our product. So that's, I kind of just figured I'd like find the people that are like engaged as much as possible with the features that I'm curious about and go from there. Does that? And so then we had, uh, we had Shane follow up with them and do like, he did Skype interviews with them. So we did, um, the first part of it, it was a two part thing. So we did a survey first and that was to a majority of the users. So we, I think I took like, I took the top 40 users, set them aside. For later and i took the the next or the bottom 160 and we sent the survey to them um and so we got some survey responses um honestly like that was a little tougher like to get people to answer the survey we got some good responses but it wasn't like you know it wasn't like 80 percent of them responding so uh so we did that and then the, um after the survey we took the remaining 40 people and we sent a separate email to them which was like asking them to uh to do an interview with shane um, and I think in the email copy, we kind of like, we mentioned that like, we've, you know, we noticed their power users and like, would like to kind of pick their brain about um, how they use Honey Badger and what they'd like to see us do with it in the future. So when you sent that, did you say, hey, we're going to, we're going to incorporate your, your feedback into the product or like, was there some sort of incentive that you gave for talking to Shane or just like, hey, please talk to Shane? I think it was, I didn't, I didn't do an in incentive. We, I think we did give t-shirts or some swag to those people like as a thank you, but I'm pretty sure we didn't actually, uh, I don't think we like offered that, like the actual email that we sent them. I think it was just like, Hey, you know, 
thanks for doing the interview. Um, I don't know, we might have mentioned it, but yeah, I think it was really just kind of like, you know, hey, we're really like, you know, it kind of explained it like it explained like who we are and what we're doing and kind of humanized us again. Like you know, we're we're a small team, like we really could use your input on the product. You know, it's gonna make a really big um a really big like observable impact. It's not like we're just some big like, you know customer success team or something that's just doing a, a random survey. You know, we talked a few minutes ago about how these these automated emails that are really scammy feeling and stuff, and you just you can see right through that. I just remember there was this one service I signed up for. I don't remember what service it was, but I remember getting the welcome email and it was it was obviously automated. I mean it was from, you know, their system. Uh, but it was it was from the founder and it said, hey, yes, this is an automated email, uh, but uh, I am excited to hear about whatever your thoughts are about the product. Please reply to this. And I read all, all the replies that come to this, right? And, or something along those lines. Like I, I read every response. And uh, that, for some reason, connected with me. I was like, oh, someone who is telling me, he, he will read my reply, yeah. right? He just gave that. And so I thought that was a great, I mean, I don't want to say, quote, that's a great line to use in your emails, you know, close quote. <laughs> yeah. But um, I thought that it worked really well for me at that, at that time. Well, it's a great thing to, it's a great thing to be, right? Like if, if that's who you are, it's yeah. a good. That also takes the whole uh, interaction away from this idea of, well, I'm doing a big mass emailing and then, you know, I expect you to respond to me or, you know, it's a big campaign and it puts the interaction, it, it basically makes opportunities for interaction all over the place, right? Whenever you send transactional email to somebody, they have the opportunity to reply to that yeah. and let you know what they're thinking. Yeah, it, It's kind of unusual, like not many places do this, right? Most places have like no reply at whatever.com. Like I know people reply yeah. to our automated emails and, yeah. and we listen to them. Yep. Or we, 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 we read them. Yeah. We read everyone. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Well, we get replies to, to emails that are like for our newsletter um, that we've been sending. I've got some pretty good replies um, every time I send like a mass, uh, like, you know, a new article to our newsletter. That's, that's been cool. Yeah. I wanted to mention one thing on Tony's question. He mentioned building social proof, you know, testimonials and case studies. I think the thing that we did early on that I think everyone has to do, I think is table stakes is those, those first 10 customers, they have to give you testimonials, right? Uh, you, you have to work with them enough to, that they're happy enough that they're happy to give you some sort of endorsement. And then you can just use those forever. Like mm -hmm. we use, we use Mike's testimonials since day one and we're still using Mike's testimonial, yeah. you know? Yeah, Mike's not even a customer anymore, but <laughs> he's still our top <laughs> testimonial. <laughs> well, that's because he doesn't really have a, a big like Rails app anymore. <laughs> yeah, um, I wanted to ask Ben uh, just one thing that going back to, um, I think we were talking about, uh, yeah, maybe testimonials and case studies, but like the um, you mentioned the emotional bank account thing. Um, yeah. Yeah. Remind me, I know that I read that book. What book was that again? And I don't, I don't remember. Know. Could okay. have been, it could have been John Gottman, yeah. the, the marriage uh, professor from University of Washington. Okay. I'm not sure that it was original to him, but, but yeah, trying, the idea yeah. being that every interaction you have with people like either causes a credit or a debit to their emotional bank yeah. account with you. And yeah. Or maybe it was a blog post. Yeah. There, there, I remember like reading like, yeah, whoever originally came up with that and um, it made yeah, it was really a good way of thinking about it. Like, yeah, because you can make withdrawals, right? In addition to making deposits and... Uh, right. And yeah, and over time, I think like, I think like we've done, I think that's one thing we've done really well is like, like through our customer support and through our like our customer driven approach, 
like i feel like we have a pretty good user like you know selection of users now um who are even friends who uh we have a very high balance um with and um maybe that's why now it's a little bit easier to you know solicit customer feedback or you know ask for things um because we've created such a good track record of uh of treating our customers well and i think one thing you can do before the interactions happen like even before someone contacts customer support is provide a lot of value to them i know i was shopping for a service recently and i was and i just started on google or DuckDuckGo as we discussed mm-hmm. last time and uh, I was just searched for the thing that I'm interested in. And, you know, people showed up on the, in the list and I started clicking. And one of the providers just had a ton of useful information out there. And uh, I grabbed their PDF, you know, which did not require me to give them an email address to download. <laughs> and uh, so when I go to buy that service, they're going to be number one on my list of potential providers. So I think, you know, if you're struggling with the idea of, yeah, I, I, I want to uh, have this awesome relationship with my customers, but you know they haven't been around long enough to talk to support or they haven't signed up at all yet. I think uh, leading out with the value, like give them something. Yeah. Right? Uh, w- whatever your expertise is, share it. And uh, that, that will cause that first credit in their emotional account. Totally. Well, I tell you what, boys, every time I talk to you guys, my emotional bank account is totally full. Overflowing. Yeah. That's so nice. (laughs) (laughs) Should we wrap things up? Sure. All right. Well, um, I'll I'll talk to you guys next week then. (laughs) All right. ThunderQuest is a weekly podcast by the founders of Honey Badger. Zero instrumentation, 360-degree coverage of errors, outages, and service degradations for your web apps. If you have a web app, you need it. Available at honeybadger.io. Want more from the founders? Go to founderquestpodcast.com. That's one word. You can access our huge back catalog or sign up for our newsletter to get exclusive VIP content. FounderQuest is available on iTunes, Spotify, and other purveyors of fine podcasts. We'll see you next week.